Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Now, while Ian Fleming put the martini on the international map in the 1950s in his book Casino Royale, the newer incarnations of the cocktail are going in some very strange directions. Tim Dowling, columnist with The Guardian, has done a deep dive into the history and the evolution of the martini and has experimented by creating and tasting some of the most uh, contemporary versions of the famous cocktail. He joins us now. Tim, how are you today? Good, thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. You've been taking one for the team, so to speak? (laughs) Yes, I've been drinking for money. (laughs) This this must have been some very hard research to undertake. Well, it's quite slow because you can really manage about two martinis a day. You can take, you can have a third one, but you won't remember anything about it. So there's there's nothing to write down. What, What possessed you to do this? Well, there's a, there's a sort of new, the martini is having a moment, as it were. But whenever things have a moment, they usually have some kind of, that's because people have begin to begun to spin variations on them. And there's some really very quite, quite weird ones out there. Squid ink martinis and uh, Thai spice martinis. Why? And, um, <laughs> and very often, you know, it's, it's a perfect thing for TikTok to have somebody show you how to make a very weird cocktail because it's both alarming and it's something you can replicate at home. Right. Uh, there is always the slight risk that some of these will actually be better than the original. So, you know, you, have to, you have to do the research. Um, you did look into the kind of history of it. Where, where did it all come from? Well, it's shrouded in mystery, but I, I, the one thing we do know is that the, the martini comes to the United States. A lot of people think that it, it came from a cocktail called the Martinez from California in sort of mid-19th century. But that was a very sweet, sweet vermouth and about half and half spirit and vermouth, pl- and plus some maraschino liqueur. So it's not like the martini we know now. Right. And that kind of developed over time, did it? Yeah. By the, by the end of the 19th century, what everyone was calling a dry martini. Was, was gin with dry vermouth. And then now, and then the dry martini got drier, which is to say it became a sort of contest to see who could put less vermouth in it. I, I can't get over the level to which people are going to tr- keep the vermouth down to God, the barest whiff. It, it's hard to believe. Um, w- one of the ones that you tried was in one of the most traditional places for it. And that sounds like it was an absolutely beautiful piece of theatre. Uh, Dukes in London. Uh, the Duke's Martini is a sort of classic. The the bar manager there, uh, Alessandro Palazzi, is, is from, from the old school. And he developed, I guess this was developed in the 80s by his predecessor, but the what they call the straight pour martini. So there's no ice involved at all. There's no question about shaking or stirring. Everything just comes straight out of the freezer, which means it's absolutely undiluted, either gin or vodka. Um, I, I think they, they the rule is you can only have two. So what's he do? He comes, so the glass is out of the freezer. I'm very impressed the, by that. The but glass comes out of the freezer. The gin comes out of the freezer or okay. vodka, if you prefer. Uh, then they come to your table with a little cart. They, he puts vermouth in the glass, swirls it around three times and then throws it over his shoulder onto the carpet. Onto the so carpet. that's all the vermouth. That's all the vermouth you get. I don't know whose job it is. Are there no drawbacks? Are there no drawbacks <laughs> with going on the carpet? I mean, that just seems... It seems like on a busy night, it would get pretty <laughs> sticky. Right. But you are left with something that is essentially either gin or vodka. Yeah, a, a pretty photo, much. It, it's seen a photograph of vermouth. And is there anything else going on? Oh, well, I mean, there's extraordinary things going on in in the world of martinis. Oh, no, I mean, uh, it, I mean, in the Duke's one. I mean, oh, in the thing. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything else? Yes, yeah, so a twist of lemon or right. uh, you can ask for an olive. But uh, no, pretty much you're right. getting... A little, a little over 100 millilitres of straight gin or vermouth. I how mean, how was that? 
<laughs> amazing. <laughs> right. Absolutely delicious. Okay. So well, that I have is... to say the variations that I tried yeah, in, that's the in bars were also good. Tell me that's some, the standard. Tell me some of the variations. Well, one of the, one of the good ones I had was uh, at a restaurant called Apra City, which is very near Duke's in London. And uh, it's just, it's gin that's been infused with fig leaf. Um, for I don't know, you know, seventy upwards of seventy-two hours, and it's absolutely delicious. And you wouldn't really expect that to do much, but uh, you know, there's not much to a martini, so any change is pretty noticeable. Right. Uh, so and it's just delicious, basically. It's delicious. It's got a sort of, it's got a, a, a scent of fig, and a little bit of the flavour of fig, but it's not sweet. Uh, and you know, I, I was quite tempted to have another one to be honest all right well i had to go home and make my own yes thank god um <laughs> you saw a sense of, that sounds beautiful and was there vermouth with that yeah uh, yes but the, a very specific vermouth that's a lot of the things you find is that in the making of a martini a lot of what goes into that is shopping um very specific brands of vermouth very expensive kinds of gin and vodka Right. All of which is goes into the cost of your very expensive restaurant martini. Okay. As they plan ahead, the, the fig leaf, are they the same restaurant that's hoping to introduce a Brussels sprout, uh, <laughs> a sproutini one? Yes. Yeah, I think that's part of their regular rotation. Uh, the sproutini comes in the autumn and then in early spring it's replaced by an asparagus martini. Right. You'll have no trouble getting people to eat their sprouts at Christmas with that one? May I <laughs> it wasn't say? a... It wasn't available to oh, me to right. try. <laughs> uh, there is also, see, the um, squid ink martini. You'd no look at that? Yeah, I, I haven't had a look at that one. I mean, it's, that it was the name itself was enough to put me yeah, off. Yeah, the tequila martini, which um, uh, I think I would have not, called a margarita. Yeah, it's not really a martini. I mean, I think if, it's got, if it hasn't got gin or vodka in it, it doesn't really count. A yeah. lot of, for a lot of people, as long as it's in a martini glass, it's ah, a yeah. No, I, I fully agree. Um, <laughs> I, I do see also a mention of the chicken soup martini. Yes. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you this is not worth it. It takes a very long time to make. Um, you can see uh, you can see it being made on TikTok or, or Instagram if you look it up. But it's basically an, a chicken soup infused gin, which is uh, onions, carrots, uh, uh, cut up, sautéed and then dumped in some gin and left in the freezer for I can't remember how long. Then uh, and then some uh, sort of chicken stock, a bit of MSG in it, uh, and I think manzanilla sherry instead of vermouth. Uh, and uh, it, I mean, it really—it's—it's it's not something I would want to drink cold. I, I have a vision of somebody who'd rather you become an alcoholic than not eat your vegetables. <laughs> uh, and all the sort of you know all the chewy bits are strained out, so uh, it's just a bit cloudy. Yeah, but it—it it does. Taste of chicken soup, but not necessarily in a good way. No, not good, not good. Um, Did you find anything that you thought was an improvement or or at least could live with the original? Well, there was one which I think sounds very weird, which is a a seaweed martini, um, which was a a bit of sake instead of vermouth and a a little just like a square inch of, of, you know, dried seaweed and a bit of celery and left soaking in sake for not even that long. And yeah. uh, that that is sort of a sort of Japanese equivalent to a dirty martini. Oh, dirty nice. martini uses olive brine from the olive jar, and it, it's it's a bit savoury, and it's it's actually kind of nice. Right. It, I still think you'd be if you were given a choice, you'd be opting for going back to the Duke, wouldn't you? <laughs> Absolutely, going back for the ill-advised third martini. Yeah, and, and let's face it, a huge part of this is the theatre, isn't it? It's the it's the glass, it's everything that goes with it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, at the end of the day, you are talking about neat spirit and a tiny bit of vermouth. So yes. without the theatre, there's not much to it. Not enough else. Tim, an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thank and, you. Uh, sounded very together, considering. Uh, Tim Dallin, columnist there with The Guardian on the Martini. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm. With Anna Glaze. On News Talk.